Hi everyone, you're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite TV shows and movies. This week on our Witcher recap, we're covering Season 2, Episode 4, Redanian Intelligence. Daria. Hi, Jenny. We're back with another exciting recap from The Witcher Season 2. How are you feeling about this episode? I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling really good about it. I think that it was super lore heavy. Yeah. And a lot of things were happening that I had to sort of like rewind a few times and be like, I'm sorry, wait. What? Yeah, there was like the introduction of some new characters newish characters and yeah it was there's a lot happening especially in terms of from last week which was pretty sort of like cut and dry very sort of linear like just this is this storyline this is this storyline and we're done (laughs) yeah i and like listen i'm super excited i you know as we've mentioned before like i didn't read the books and i didn't play the video games so i know jack shit about this universe so any sort of like explanation on like what's going down is great especially because like in season one we got so many throwaway lines about stuff that might have happened once or yeah you know about things and i think now season two is taking those throwaway lines and giving us a little bit more context which is nice yeah i agree i agree for sure I'm, I like this episode just because, like, some of my favorite people from season one are back in this episode, so that was really fun to see, and, and I think, like, like you said, we got a lot of really cool, like, lore about, you know, the, the continent, and, and also, like, about the witchers, and how that happens, and everything about it, so that was kind of interesting as well, I thought it was, uh, it was fun. It was a fun episode. I liked it. I really liked it. Yeah, I thought this was a really, really good one. And I think it also gave us a nice dynamic that, like, we only got a smidgen of in season one between Yennefer and Yaskier. Yes. Yeah. And and now they're, like, my favorite on-screen duo. Oh, yeah. So, they're great super excited to like talk more about their reunion mm-hmm. and the little makeover Yaskier goes through from season one with those long locks of hair yeah it look uh, like they really need a deep conditioning treatment i'm just gonna say oh my but. god he needs a conditioning mask real bad <laughs> do they have blushes in the on the continent. Oh my god! Just like, like slap on an avocado. I'm sure there's one hanging around somewhere. <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> come on. Wait, do they have like chickens and stuff? They definitely have chickens. See, this is the interesting thing about these like weird, fake, made up worlds that just happen to have all of the food that we eat. Like I don't know. Maybe this is interesting to anyone else, but I do find it strange that. They just have chicken and, like, dogs and, like, 
you know, coyotes and wolves and... I agree. I do agree. But I've already gone on this rant about how I hate fantasy shows that are based in the Middle Ages of England and are primarily um, cast with white people. So, yes, Daria, <laughs> I am on board with this. And I have this problem. Okay? Like, I, I think <laughs> the only show... The only show that does this in a way that's really fucking cool and interesting is Avatar The Last Airbender. Because they make up every single animal you see in the show. Right. Like, it's pretty cool. I mean, in some ways, okay, Game of Thrones did it a little bit. Like, of the barest of minimums with dire wolves and dragons. Like, I mean... Not really, like, super inventive, but, like, uh, we'll throw you a bone there, George. But, like, yeah, with Dire Wolves. And there was, like, there was, like, a couple other things that were, like, a little bit weird. But, yeah, like, for the most part, still very British. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And same thing with The Witcher. Like, it's a little bit better. Like, the monsters, obviously, um, are pretty interesting, but, yeah, there's definitely chickens and dogs and horses and, you know, I mean, The, the Witcher season two is a little bit more diverse than season yeah. one. Yeah, no, that's fair. For that's sure. Fair. It's not Wheel of Time, but it's getting there. <laughs> like, Wheel of Time kind of, like, sets the bar, I think, for diversity and casting. Um, And mm-hmm. even they are not, like, perfect, but... Um, I know there is a little bit of discourse about the Wheel of Time casting in some ways, but, like, they do a pretty good job considering most things. Yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah, it's great that they have chickens, but, like, I don't know, give me, like, a rabbit with wings. I don't know. A badger mole, a flying bison, I I mean, you know. I just feel like if you're creating a whole fantasy world, get fucking weird with it. Right? I know. Give me, like, a citrus fruit that looks like a banana. I don't know. Like, come on. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, you know, why does everything have to be dark and brown? Why Why can't we have, like, purple grass? If we can have a monster yeah. that is made out of trees, we can have purple grass. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Why not? Why not? You know what? I'm going to create a fantasy world and it's going to be fucking cuckoo. Right? Exactly. Everyone (laughs) walks backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Guys, I'm on so much medication at the moment. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I'm not. And I'm just, you know, enabling. So. Uh, Okay, Daria, why don't you start us off? Yes. Okay. So, Witcher Season 2, Episode 4. We are at the halfway mark, which is crazy to think about of The Witcher. And this episode is called Redanian Intelligence. And like, you know, like I said, we've been getting hit with a lot of world building, a lot of lore this season. When I pressed play on this episode, I really had to remind myself what, who, where Redania is. (laughs) It took me a minute. But that's because up until the previous episode, we hadn't really even physically seen King Vizimir in in person. So, like, to be introduced right. to him this episode, I was like, who is this little weasel guy? <laughs> it's also really confusing to have someone named Vizimir and someone named Vesemir. 
Like, are you joking me? Again, why are not more people named Paul? (laughs) I'm just going to reiterate. I know. It's it's like having major characters be Jack and John and Jim. And you're like, what the fuck? A little, you know, a little diversity in the naming conventions would be great. Honestly. But all that aside, we meet uh, a character that I think is super popular in the games, Sigmund Dykstra, who is a mage, but they're like super vague on who he is. The whole scene is a little like, what's happening? And what does this have to do with all the other plots? Yeah, I didn't feel like right away we knew that he was, that he was a mage. Yeah. But I will say, like, you know, as we get further into the politics of the continent and the war for Nilfgaard and Sintra and the elves, this is an interesting little addition that, like, you know, Dijkstra thinks that there's a possibility for King Vizimir to find Ciri and marry her so that he can have the power of Sintra, which, like, gross. Ew. If I never have to watch a piece of media where people are battling over children to marry, I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah, like, is it is it that hard? Is it that hard to find? I mean, again, we're watching a show about fucking monsters and we still have to deal with, like, real world monsters. Yeah, so. I know. Patriarchy exists in all fantasy worlds. Like. Woo! So Dykstra is played by Graham McTavish, who you will know from his roles as Dwalin in the Hobbit films. He also played Dougal Mackenzie in the Outlander series. Uh, he plays Jamie Fraser's uncle. And he also plays Dracula in the Netflix animated series Castlevania. Yes! I love Castlevania. So he's a, he's a you know, he's a well-known actor-ish, I would say. Yeah, it's, I'd say he's pretty well-known. So it's interesting to see, like, sort of what role he's going to play next season because he was only in this one a little bit. So I think this is kind of a intro, but, like, we don't get too much from him yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... One of the big plots of this episode is the arrival of Triss at Caramoran. Yay, Triss. We love Triss. She's great. And I'm like so happy that like we got dedicated time with her this season. Yeah, and I I really love like that Vesemir has the foresight to think like oh, maybe we need a woman to help us with this problem (laughs) of, like, raising Ciri and helping her control her power. Yeah, and what I really like about it is that it goes back to that episode in season one where Geralt and Triss first meet, and you sort of learn a little bit more about their friendship, um, which is, like, hard to imagine (laughs) Geralt, like, becoming buddies with almost anyone true but we do find out that like Triss was invited back to Karamoran and that like all of the witchers know her and respect her and like she's uh, very welcome at um like the witcher stronghold right yeah it's not and they don't really invite too many people there you know like we kind of found out in that episode with Eskel 
you know, they don't normally invite a bunch of sex workers back to Cairmoran. Um, so it's not something like they don't have a lot of guests. I mean, also because it kind of looks like a shithole and like who would want to visit? <laughs> like one star on Airbnb. But yeah, Tris is Tris like obviously Vesemir and um, all of the other witchers seem very I don't know what not taken with her but like clearly they really do care about her and like you know and she she's really has a place at Cairmoran. Exactly. So yeah, so Vesemir invites her and he thinks that you know having Triss will be good for Ciri. Not just a like because of the possibilities with her chaos and yeah her abilities but also because like she needs a woman around. <laughs> she needs someone who's not a dirty, disgusting, unemotional witcher <laughs> to be right. by her. Right. And so it's really lovely to see that relationship begin. Like Triss immediately takes a liking to Siri and vice versa. And Siri's like so excited to be around another woman that she immediately like bathes and puts on a pretty dress and like I know wants to connect with her on that level well I just love when Triss arrives and she's like uh hey guys what are you gonna do when she gets her period and they're all like uh (laughs) like I just thought that was such a like such a reasonable like hilarious thing that really it does not get talked a lot about in fantasy like shows yeah. at all a more any historical shows really like it's very rare there it's here or there but like but i just thought that was such a funny thing and then the next scene is her in like the science kind of room with siri mm-hmm. and Geralt brings something in to Siri and I thought for sure it was just like a bunch of cotton for her to like have her period and I was just like what is happening right now but it didn't it was like food um but I was like for like one moment I was like oh god you did not you are not you are that not that dumb and he was not thankfully phew phew (laughs) no my god it's so it's so so funny Mm -hmm. And I also love it too. And like you can tell, like I know we I know we have our concerns about some of the things we've seen on the show thus far for like, you know, like the sex worker scenes and things like that, but there are moments where it's really obvious that the showrunner is a woman. And so that yeah, monologue, it's very clear that a woman is writing the show and thinking about the things that women women would be going through. Yeah, absolutely. And I really liked that scene where, you know, Ciri's wearing the dress and the witches are all making fun of her and mm-hmm. she kind of has this thing and that's when Triss tells them all off. But when girl comes into the, like, lab, yeah. science lab, yeah. and Ciri is like, you know women can fight and, like, my my mother or my grandmother fought in dresses on the battlefield all the time. And yeah. he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that part. <laughs> And it's such a good callback, not only to Calanthe, but also because Yennefer's, like, most of her fight scenes in season one, she's in a dress. And, like, Geralt yeah. and Yennefer fight side by side, and she's in this, like, stunning gown, which, again, it's also a scene where she's hiking through the mountains in a, in a gown, and it's whatever. But, like, you know, it's possible. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, I, I totally, I think it's such a good scene because he clearly knows that. But I think he's just so, I mean, we know he's out of his depth. We do. 
That's why Triss is there. Yeah. You know, but at least he's, and he's not quite so overt about the teasing as, like, say, Lambert is to her. But he also doesn't, like, fucking defend her, which right. is, like, come on, bro. You know, dad 101. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, but, like, so, like, you know he's trying and, like, he clearly, and he admits it, right, when she calls him on mm-hmm. him. But it is, it is kind of, like, oh, come on. You have so much to learn. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say the one thing about this episode that was sort of hard to watch was... Tris inviting Geralt to sleep with her. Oh, yeah. And having to watch him turn her down. Ah. And I I can't figure out what to me seemed more annoying. Like, A, Tris just being like, hey, dude, come back to my bed with me because we're both sad and depressed. Or the fact that Geralt was like, no. Right, 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 exactly. So first of all, okay, I didn't really get the feeling from season one that they had hooked up. Like, I mean, I know that they do in the video games, right? So I, and I wonder I, if it's like I think a, that's another thing where, like, if we had read the books, if we had played the games, would we have been like, oh, this makes more sense because they would have maybe it happens like a lot, and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, they're kind of like friends with benefits, <laughs> so like maybe it wouldn't have been so weird. Yeah, but like, yeah, it was a little bit like out of nowhere, but also like okay, Geralt, are you just going to, like, pine for dead Yennefer for the rest of your life? Ugh. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, and, and, like, sure, you know, for us, like, Geralt, Yen, shippers, it's nice to see that he's mourning her, but as far as he knows, she's not coming back, and, like, I don't don't know, it's Triss. Triss is so hot! So hot, and, like, so cool. Ugh. I know. But it's fine. He wants to, like, keep it friendly. It's fine. Anyway, as Triss, and and I kind of don't really know how much time passes, but while Triss is there, they discover that the, in the Leshy, and then the parts of the Leshy that were stuck to Eskel, which, like, bleh, um, <laughs> they find a material called Stellasite. Yes. Which is like this sort of charcoaly, powdery kind of yeah, like I don't know mineral. mineral. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of like a mineral. It's basically what those the monoliths uh, that are like scattered across the continent are made of. Or yeah, yeah which maybe I wasn't paying attention <laughs> last season, but the mention of the monoliths sort of like threw me for a minute because I was like I don't know what you're talking about and then I had to remember that in the premiere when Siri screams she breaks the monolith during the attack on Sintra I fucking forgot oh no I thought just like the ground opened up so like I don't remember yeah. anything falling ever so I was like oh did it <laughs> <laughs> So now we're like really getting deep into the, into what we're into the seriness of it all. Like Geralt immediately connects the monoliths to Siri because she tells him about what happened during the capture, and there's like this 
Hypothesis is happening now, and so Geralt needs to go on a little bit of a, a journey to return back to Sintra to, like, investigate for himself what might be happening. Right, yes. And Triss does, like, a portal for him so he can get there real quick. And it's my favorite part of this episode, if not this season, to be honest. So good. Like, I didn't think that they were going to go there, but they went there and it was mm, chef's kiss. It was so good. <laughs> and and I love that he meets up with Istrid. So great. Because, you know, I love my Yennefer fan club meeting. It was so awkward. So awkward. Two egocentric, like, jealous little fucks. <laughs> But also, that's when Geralt finds out she's alive, <laughs> which is, like, the best part. Because Istra's like, yeah, I'm here to, like, you know, help the elves who, you know what, this girl I love is half elf. I mean, he doesn't really say that, but, like, he basically says that. And then Geralt's like, ooh, I love a girl, too. And he's like, what? Oh, my God. It's the same girl? What? And you get that horrible exchange where Istrid is like, Yenna? And Geralt's like, Yen. <laughs> I just choked on my water. <laughs> it's just so silly, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, men in any fantasy land are going to be egotistical little crybabies about. Right. But like. Not that I'm, like, an Istrid fan, because I'm not, but he has also known her for, like, 70 years more than Geralt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a real relationship there. I mean, he knew Yen when she was pre-Yennefer, yeah. basically. You know? Yeah. So there's so much history there. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just so great. It was just so great. I, I mean, I've said it before, but, like, one of the best things about this season is that we've, we've gotten so many interesting dynamics, yes. and getting an episode of Girl and Istrid sort of going on this, like, buddy journey together was great. It was so great. So great. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so while Girl and Istrid are in Nilfgaard investigating the monolith, we go back to Kaer Morin, and I think Vesemir finds this like really rare breed of flower that neither of us can pronounce it's not important doesn't matter it's a flower it's bluish purple it's beautiful yeah and apparently it only grows where elder blood has been spilt yeah and apparently elder blood has like been gone for centuries uh from the continent and because the elders are technically elves, yeah, sort like of. pre pre like elves, the early elves. Yeah, so like the elves come from elder blood, but they're not like just elder blood, I guess. So he basically realizes that the flowers um, have basically grown everywhere that Siri has been training and bled, and so he gets super fucking excited that Siri could mean. The return of witchers. Yeah, so they, like, make up this potion, him, uh, Vesemir and Triss, and then she does something that 
somehow they test it. <laughs> I don't. I yeah, don't get it's that like this, part. Uh, it, I mean, again, it's it's like world building that you know is new, new to us. She basically like puts it in this spinny thing and spins it, and then like the next day, hopefully it does its thing and she can test it. Yeah, it's like. But again, I mean, you know, it's like a vaccine, witcher vaccine. Yeah, except it, like, really fucking mutates you and puts you through, like, an insane amount of pain. I mean, they couldn't have come up with something a little less miserable to create witchers. Listen, I got my booster shot on Thursday, and I felt like death. So, you know, maybe it's not that simple. You're a witcher now, baby. <laughs> I wish. No, it just had, like, a fever for four days and was, like, absolutely pathetic because I forget how to be sick. Yeah, no, so it's, and they do talk a little bit about why it's so important that they need elder blood because when the, they lost the witcher, the witcher mutagens, that's what they call them, Mm -hmm. which I think is like, I don't know, just some like big, big vat of like elder blood, I guess, be when Kermorin was attacked way back. Um, and so that's why they haven't been able to make new witchers. That's why every time a witcher dies, it's like, oh, there goes another one because they don't have any other way to make another one. But that's why Vesemir is so excited because it's like, whoa, like, look what we can do now, which again yeah. is like, yes, cool. But like you said, are we really going to put like more children through like weird amounts of pain so they can become witchers? It feels very weird. It's a lot. It's a lot. But I guess it's like Vesemir has been watching his entire like brethren die over the years. And, you know, people do crazy things when they're desperate like that. True, true, true. This does make us realize how desperate Vesemir is, which we will find out more in the next episode. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. And on top of all of that, we go back to Yennefer and Kahir, who are on the run now. Right. And without her magic, they're like really slumming it like they are trying to figure out what they're going to do where they're going to go and the persecution against the elves is also sort of like intermingled with their storyline and i think it makes yen feel a kind of way yeah for for sure oh absolutely because like basically every town that they go to um elves are being just like ripped out of their houses they're being you know taken off to wherever like it's very yeah it's not great really not great (laughs) and so yeah you can definitely tell that she's kind of like uh you know don't let them know i'm a (laughs) half elf or quarter elf or whatever she is so it's set so then they're like i don't know they get somehow they do they get they have to find the Sandpiper. Yeah, so Yennefer and Kahir end up in a town called Oxenfurt. And their goal is to get to Sintra because Kahir needs to get back to his army and mm-hmm. Yennefer just, like, needs a fucking break. And she's thinking, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to Sintra. You know, I will sync up with, with Fringilla mm-hmm. and Kahir will be my ticket in because I've kept him safe. Right. But Oxenfurt is obviously a fucking mess. And the Brotherhood has put out wanted posters with Kahir and Yennefer on them. So now they are, like, cloaks up, hiding in plain sight. Right. Trying to figure out how to get to Sintra. Yeah, and, like, you would think that she maybe would find a different cloak. But, like, a bright purple cloak is not the way to hide Yennefer. This is the woman who, like, 
needed to wear an off-the-shoulder gown upon her return to Eratusa. Like, fashion comes first, Jenny. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair. It's very fair. God. She's always got to look good no matter I what know, is happening. I know, it's true. Everything has to match her eyes. <laughs> So they are, because of these wanted posters, they're forced into the sewers on their search for this elusive sandpiper who can help them get to Sintra. Right. So yeah, a a few elves that they find in the sewer told them that this sandpiper does these like secret boat trips over to Sintra and he helps them travel. So they're like, all right, let's all travel together. Like, we'll get through it. Mm-hmm. Let's just get the hell out of Oxenfurt. Yeah. And then the group is like <laughs> mauled by some sort of sewer monster. And it is real horrific because like it really makes us like like the younger of the two elves. Like he's a really sweet kind of kid. He, you know, he's had his ears clipped. Like it's really not great for this elf uh and then he is just sucked up and drowned by this monster (laughs) it is deeply depressing because he is so quick to help kahir and yennefer and like Mm -hmm. he has been put through a lot of shit and this older elf uh is super reluctant he doesn't really want to help them he's kind of an every elf for himself kind of guy Mm -hmm. and The wrong elf died, is what I'm saying. It's really sad. But it also, I thought, was kind of reminiscent of, you know, sort of like the struggle that refugees have in trying to Mm -hmm. escape persecution. Mm -hmm. So it was like that was even kind of, like, made the point even worse in a way. It was just like, oh, God. Well, and it also showcases, too, like, we make fun of Yennefer for being, like, a self-serving diva, but... She immediately jumps into that water to try and save that kid. Mm-hmm. And, like, she struggles really hard. And it, even Kahir needs to take a moment before he also tries to help. So yeah. it's, like, a nice reminder that, like, deep down inside, Yennefer is going to try and do the right thing when the time calls for it, which is why I love her so much. I know. And it is – and I was surprised that even Kahir would try to help that boy. Like, I, I really was surprised. And I was surprised that he – also saved Yennefer, right? Like he also, yeah. when she was getting sucked in, he didn't just ditch her and go. Like he actually grabbed her and pulled her to safety. And so, yeah, finally, like they're safe. And that's when they hear music. Yes, we finally get to meet the Sandpiper. And like, who else would it be? But the illustrious Yaskir himself. Who? <laughs> in true Yaskier style has written a Taylor Swift-esque ballad about Geralt breaking his heart on the mountain in season one which you know I think must be such pure vindication for those in the Witcher fandom who just really want uh, Geralt and Yaskier to be lifelong domestic partners <laughs> <laughs> i yeah i mean god uh, this episode goes there i mean there's some confirmation i think that like you know yaskier had his heart broken by Geralt, and he's not over it he's not over it no and he is like 
he's let his hair grow out. He's wearing some very fancy purple clothes. Like he's very, mm-hmm. he's very flamboyant in a way that he was not quite as flamboyant in season one, which I guess we both had heard that that's kind of more like how he is in the game. Yeah. Oh my God. The song is so good. It might be better than toss a coin to your witcher. I think it's better. I think it's better. I think Burn but Butcher Bird is a great like fucking track. Like that's a bop. It is so good. And I just love how <laughs> it's like the the lyrics are so funny. I was almost like crying watching them because it was or like watching the show and watching him sing because it was just so hilarious. It's so good. And I think one of the best parts about it is Yennefer is watching and she knows immediately the inspiration for this song and she wastes no time in calling him out about it i know it's so great though i do really appreciate that they do share a hug when they finally like see each other that was that was really nice considering you know i mean i know he she scares the absolute shit out of him but (laughs) but it was nice to, to see them hug and it also gave me like one of the best interactions uh between like when she goes, oh, I, I see that, like, Geralt has left a, like, a bad taste in your mouth. And he's like, no one has left anything in my mouth. <laughs> I know. It's so great. Oh, my God. Oh. It's beautiful. What a sassy old bard. <laughs> but, you know, it it's this lovely conversation after that. And, and Yaskir admits that, like, the things that are happening to the elves are truly fucking him up. And, like... This is his way of participating in in trying to help them, um, which I love because really in season one, Yaskier was well for himself. Oh yeah, fine. You know, there's nothing really wrong with that. But everything that he's experienced with Geralt has sort of opened his worldview up, and you know, now he feels like I want to do the right thing when I can. I'm gonna do. And it. we haven't really seen Yaskier since like the world kind of fell apart right so we saw him on that mountain we never saw him after the Sintra fell and everyone became you know like we haven't seen him since that so uh, it's very interesting that he really you know after things started happening that he really did kind of like have a change of heart almost yeah I mean a lot has changed and he's he's already shown a ton of growth. And I think, you know, he, when he agrees to also help Yennefer and Kahir, you can see that that's, that's clear. Like, he's turning over kind of a more mature leaf. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, until... <laughs> oh, it's so typical. Basically, he uses his fame as the bard to help smuggle elves onto this ship. And everything's kind of going according to plan until the dot can on duty gives him a little unasked for critique. <laughs> oh, it's... And <laughs> typical, like, Yaskier <sighs> fashion, he's like, oh, really? You know how to write music? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> this is one of those authors shouldn't read their re- 
reviews of their books kind of moment. <laughs> like, this is a... <laughs> yeah, Yasker Ooh. can't go on, like, Pitchfork and read his reviews. No. It's not going to work it's out. It's not going to be good. So he kind of just, like, loses it. But it does provide Yennefer and Kahir and a couple of the other elves the the space to to try to to try to get onto the ship. Yeah, and in like an, a nice sort of circular moment, that elder elf from the sewers, when Yaskier kind of gets into this fight with his dock hand and, and they're sort of waiting to get on the boat, mm-hmm. he steps out to kind of sacrifice himself so that everyone can get on the ship and get out of Oxenfur. And it's fucking horrible to watch. I mean, yeah, it's I, not nice. These storylines are hard for me because I, I that kind of bullying is 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 rough. Yeah, and it was super um, violent. Like it was super violent. It was very violent, and just like ooh, you know, yikes. Yeah. So yeah, so they get onto the boat, and then it seems like everything is good, but then we hear. Now, we don't know who, but it sounds like Yaskier gets into either another fight or the yeah. same fight and he is captured. Yeah, something like It, it something kind of sounds like he's been either punched or like he kind of just stops talking and you can't hear him talking anymore. Yeah. And, and it gets Jennifer nervous. Like mm-hmm. for two people who don't like each other, they do a hell of a lot to have each other's backs. And much to, like, Kahir's chagrin, Yennefer jumps off the boat to try and find Yaskir. Yeah. And that's how the episode ends. And it's like... Ah! Yeah. No, it is! It, I mean, it's like an oh fuck moment. It is. Like, it's really, like, it is really, like, a cliffhanger kind of, like, oh my god, what happened? Don't take Yaskir away from us when you just gave him back to us. And... I know. You know. I need my Yaskier Geralt reunion. And like, what the hell is Yennefer gonna do? She has no magic. <laughs> I know. And like, again, my girl, even when she's like pretty powerless, yep. she's gonna do whatever she can to help someone out. She really is so much like Geralt in so many ways. Like, they are so <laughs> People hating begrudging heroes. Right, sure. exactly, exactly. Oh, gosh, so good. I can't believe we're halfway there already. I know. I When we were originally plotting out this chunk of time, I was like, oh, man, eight weeks. Like, that's long. And now I'm like, I oh, I know. eight weeks is so, so not long. I know. And then we're going to have, like, a little bit of time. And then we can do some – we have some movies that we want to do. And then – we will be heading to Regency England, folks. We are headed to yes. Bridgerton season two. So excited. Woo! It'll be high tea it's every Thursday fun. with Jenny and Daria. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I cannot wait. It's going to be really good. Oh, well, Daria, what can't you stop thinking about this week? Let me think. Uh, well, what I really can't stop thinking about is the birthday episode of season three of Succession because I just finished it and I feel so many things. It's Jenny. so hard. I know. Listeners, uh, Daria has been 
live texting me uh, every episode that she watches of Succession. And I have to say it is almost better than watching Succession uh, <laughs> because it is hilarious. And it's just like so many oh my gods. And why? Why? <laughs> but like this, this episode is truly, whew, it's truly painful in so many ways. It's fucking miserable. Oh, yeah. But hilarious. Like, I... Yeah. This is one of those episodes where I have laughed. I laughed so hard. And then in a split second, I'm, like, fucking depressed. I know. Like, it's the it, most roller coaster. It is the... Cried episode so far. It is the quintessential dark comedy episode, I feel. Because it's, like, you get these super high highs and these super low lows like fuck roman roy forever after this episode like i mean starting off the episode with kendall singing oh i know billy joel like like the cringe i can still feel in every every single like arm hair on both of my arms like i literally have goosebumps right now like it is oh it was so bad like, and so sad and so pathetic. It's so much. It's so much. I don't know what I'm going to do when I finally finish. I think there's only, what, like two episodes left yeah. in the season? I, I want to... Um, I know you were kind sad. of spoiled for a couple of things, but I kind of want to know what you feel is going to happen. I... Uh, I feel like this episode had a lot of, like, Kendall death illusions, and I... I'm really nervous they're going to kill him and I don't know what to do because like they're all terrible. They're all terrible, but I love I love Kendall. I I know. I, know. I know. I know. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be some sort of suicide attempt. I feel like Logan is going to fuck over Roman. I feel like Tom is going to divorce Shiv or Something is going to happen because, like, that whole relationship is fucked. I don't know. I feel like the whole, I think it's all going to kind of combust very soon. And probably in Italy at that fucking wedding. Do you have any Cousin Greg predictions? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he's he's had two very explicit moments where he's been called out on his behavior. One by his grandfather and one by Kendall. And, like... Even though Kendall was very mean about it, neither of them were wrong. Like, Greg is sort of just, like, siphoning on to the Roys and, like, going along for the ride and is always somehow confused by the consequences of his actions. I know. And it's just like, bro, get it together. So, I don't know. I think he's either going to, like, completely sell his soul to the Roys or he's going to, like, man up. But I I don't think he's going to waffle anymore. Like, I think he... I don't know. I mean, he is going to sue Greenpeace, Daria, so... Yeah, what the fuck, Greg? <laughs> you're so, you, you were supposed to have some, like, moral integrity, bro. And now you're like, let me sue a non-profit. Because they're going to get my inheritance money. My God. Because I'm a fucking selfish scarecrow honestly it's so insane it's such an such a wild show it is so wild it is 
so bonkers but man do i love it so bonkers but i love it and i (laughs) cannot believe that it took me so long to become one of the succession hive but i'm in i'm here yay (laughs) oh gosh (sighs) what about you jenny anything not really. I just got my booster on Thursday, so I was feeling like, ooh, not great. And just dealing with that. And I have a new washer and dryer, so I've been doing all of the laundry that was was not done in my house uh, when I had no dryer. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically it. It's still virtual school over here, so it's been pretty wild and crazy. <laughs> So yeah, but uh, oh, I did see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Really good. Okay, yeah. Really, I I have not seen the original Ghostbusters since I was a child. <laughs> so and it was very like I don't remember a lot of it. But you know what? I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Ghostbusters Afterlife. I I didn't know if I would. And mm-hmm. I actually thought it was really fun. It was a really, it was a really fun movie written by Jason Reitman, uh, whose dad mm-hmm. had done the original, um, and his part, his writing partner Gil, Gil Kennan, I think is his name. Yeah. And so, like, they did a great job. They did, they did a really good job. There was like a couple plot holes that were just like okay, <laughs> but you know what? It was easy to overlook them because like it was really, it was really just fun and like yeah yeah and so the main character pretty much the main character is McKenna Grace she has been in so many things she was in that really great movie with Chris Evans where she gifted gifted and she played his niece such a good movie so she is she's excellent like she is phenomenal in this movie like she she's so she's such a great actress she is such a great actress and the boy who plays like her kind of sidekick best friend is logan kim he's also great he's really really cute i've never seen him in anything else but he's a great actor um and he, he did a really good job of course you know paul rudd he's great a little paul ruddy you know, like he was, it was kind of <laughs> like it didn't, you know, it, it was Paul Rudd playing Paul Rudd. Um, but it was good. It was, it was really good. And, uh, you know, so I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. It was totally worth watching. I'd watch it again. It was, it was enjoyable for sure. I love the original series. Mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver was like my sexual awakening in those movies. So yeah, I'll probably watch it just for that. <laughs> <laughs> for the sheer nostalgia of it. And I mean, I gave I I gave the Kristen Wiig one a chance and that was fine. So I see I didn't that. I didn't see that one. So You know, it it got a lot of flack. I really did. It it was pretty much a flop, but it was funny. I mean, if you sort of separate it from the lore of mm, yeah. Ghostbusters yeah. and you sort of view it as some sort of like weird knockoff, then it's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But they, it was just kind of messy. I don't know. They tried. It didn't work. They should have, it should have been something a little different. Right. Like, yeah. Chris Hemsworth as a total himbo. Great. Yeah, I heard that that part was pretty good. But you yeah, know, I haven't yeah. seen it. So, but yeah, no, I I highly recommend it. It was it was really good. It was a good fun night 
to, you know, we had, we enjoyed it, so. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I also watched the first two episodes of Boba Fett, and very good. <laughs> yeah. I am loving these Star Wars series that have, like, very little to do with the main story. They're so much more enjoyable. And yeah. Boba Fett's really, really interesting so far. Yeah. I just love all the backstory on the Tusken Raiders. Oh, it's so great. So good. Yeah, so that's really been fun. So I enjoyed that. Um, and that's basically it. Well, all I have coming up is the newest season of Drag Race. <laughs> My Friday nights are going to be popping again. So I'm very excited. I bet. <laughs> oh, well, Daria, where can they find us? All right, guys. You can find us at hotelvicarious.com. And you can email us at hotelvicarious at gmail.com. And you can find us on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, username Hotel Vicarious. And if you want to be our favorite people in the world, you can rate us and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you listen, wherever you subscribe to us, leave us a five-star rating and we'll, we'll be friends We're forever. Forever grateful. Well, folks, this has been Hotel Vicarious. Thanks for checking in, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. <laughs>